Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hey, I am Sean, your host of this podcast, Culture Fear. Hope you're all good. Um, if this is your first time, hello. If you're coming back, welcome back. We've got loads and loads, or I've got loads and loads and loads of podcasts uh, booked up, loads of conversations, and I am gassed to have these conversations, honestly. Um, this podcast with Maeve and Matt was brilliant. Um, back in May, we recorded a podcast like this first time round unfortunately um, not everything came out perfectly so we thought fuck it let's do it again and I am so 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 glad we did this conversation was brilliant for me I enjoyed every second of it Um, Matt and Maeve are just like amazing people to have conversations with Um, the first time I met them both was um, their old band Daskinzy 4 played a show in um little sheds that I had uh, in my garden back then and it was amazing I had those burning times seven inches before that for a few years those records are phenomenal love that shit Um, and yeah it was just brilliant to have this conversation as you hear we'll probably be doing another one again at some point because these walk down memory lanes are really fun and you know it's not just about memory lanes like it's really really great how um, these like memories and um, you know like how they're like used to think about today as well I think both of them are really good at good at doing that and that's brilliant um, yeah so yeah basically I'm going to stop bleatering on but Culture Fear's got loads and loads of new episodes coming out if you enjoy it tell your friends because why not uh, thank you for listening look after yourself it is very cold out there and yeah hit me up if you want to talk about this podcast or anything else um i do a radio show it's down to once a month that's on culture fear mix cloud i guess if you put in culture fear mix cloud on in google you're going to find it just play tunes that are rate. and yeah look after yourself as i have just said um tell your friends you love them peace hello how are we doing on this sunday evening yeah Good, thanks. I went swimming in the sea today like an absolute lunatic because it was like 10 degrees outside the sea and I don't know what the temperature was inside the sea, but it was cold. It can't have been high. It wasn't. Did you go far? Like, was it, were you like, no, it's a um, quayside or like off a boat? It's a, or, it's, it's a sea. It was a sea pool, so it just fills naturally with the tide. You love a sea pool. You sent me a photo of you enjoying a sea pool over the summer. You just map your life out in sea pools, don't you? I do. That was also in Margate, but it was a different one. But anyway, very long story, very short. I'm all right, thanks. I've had a really nice day um, in Kent. Did you train down or did you drive? I drove, yeah. And you're able to drive down before you, you you headed back? Yeah, it's about 
It's about an hour and a half, an hour 40 from where I live. So I live in sort of near King's Cross in central London. Yeah. So you just shoot out kind of through Hackney and then down onto the A2, which takes you down to Dover. And then you just do the little flip de doo just after Canterbury and there you are. <laughs> it must have been so cold. And that beach is like, looks really nice in the summer. I can't imagine what it looks like. Well, on a grey. The sun was the sun was booming today. It was oh, absolutely beaming down. I, I I've got to say though, I do I have got those like neoprene gloves and those neoprene boots for cold water swimming and it really takes the net out. You get have you got Raynaud's disease, haven't you? It's well, yeah, it's not like a disease move, it's just like a circulation thing which makes your fingers go like pure, like milky white when you get too cold and, and it they go quite painful and they stop kind of well, it's circulatory, so they stop working properly. So everything yeah. feels like it's in slow motion and you can't like do your zip up or any of that stuff. So I got these gloves um, and like sock things. They're like wetsuit material. And it was literally their maiden voyage today. I thought that's just what happened to people when it was really cold. And you... <laughs> it was that <laughs> thing. Does that not happen to everyone? Um, it's quite common yeah, in redheads, lads. It is. I think I it just it happened. I think everyone does get it to a degree, but I think it happens to me quicker. Okay, and yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. potentially a bit more severely. It's not like I don't need to like, uh, I don't need to get like a DWP kind of assessment for it or anything. It's just I just need to be careful when when it's cold. <laughs> Did you go to Pete's uh, Fish and Chips at all? Um, I didn't because we left Margate and we uh, hopped it hopped it down to Broadstairs and we got chips in Broadstairs instead. Oh, nice. I can't remember the the name of the place. Nice chips, they were a bit undercooked, but they were nice. <laughs> How are you doing, you've Maeve? Had quite the day, haven't you? Uh, I'm alright. Did you just um, did my computer just ping a second ago? My grandma just sent me a WhatsApp message while you were chatting. Did it come through on your There was a little ping. There was a little ping. I will have to I'll have to um Does she want to get involved as well? I don't know, I don't know what she's saying. Let me have a little look. <laughs> I burn. Oh no, she sent me a photo of some embroidery she's doing, which is amazing. She's embroidering her and my granddad's um wedding photo. It's like photo wow. quality embroidering. I literally think she's been doing that for 12 years and it would take that long given the level of detail. She has been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm alright though. I'm not going to switch that thing off just yet because I can't speak to you and um, concentrate at the same time. I'm alright. I've had a nice day. Um, I went for a walk in the park with uh, with the aforementioned grandma and my dog. Well, the dog. Uh, That was nice. And I'm just doing some painting now while we speak. I've got me painting on my lap like a little like a little grandma in my in my own way in my in my armchair. So you can you can converse and paint a picture, but you can't converse and, and turn WhatsApp notifications off on your computer. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. brilliant. Too many words. Um, I guess uh, for the listeners, we did record a well, we did do a podcast like six months ago. It turns out um, that unfortunately didn't record. It just like lost part of the recording, so we're doing this again. But um, I think that like when I think back to it, I think that this conversation could be like a lot better because um, like the end of that conversation, like it was like talk. You know, you spoke about both of your like lives and experiences and how all those experiences, especially that you like had together, and then it kind of was like summarized at the end where like it was a time where like 
you were talking, Maeve, about how when you like look back at these experiences, they feel like so different to like Matt's, dis- despite the fact that you were like stood next to each other for like most part and like that you'd just been like diagnosed with autism and like how you were trying to like how like thinking about all those experiences guys yeah that you were going through yeah and like how that was like also on your like journey of like understanding yourself as like a trans woman and then like Matt understanding when you were like talking about that understanding and I feel like if we start the conversation there, it's like a really amazing grounding for like talking about those like experiences that you had before together with that, with that like perspective in mind. Yeah, man, you got, you've, you've took a run up on that one. Haven't you just gone in dry immediately? <laughs> no. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Absolute, absolute sucker yeah. punch. <laughs> yeah. Why not? You've given me a lot of concepts to think about then. Um, yeah, dude, let's, um, cause we like, we were, it was off the back of talking about our involvement with abandoned ship, wasn't it? That's where we started. And um, that was the, pr- the premise. Yeah. What you saying? I think it was, yeah, and we did a bit of a kind of because obviously we've, I think because we because we grew up playing music together and like we literally learned to play our instruments in the same room as each other at the same yeah. time playing sort of really heinous like ska pop punk. There's nothing um, heinous about Goldfinger, and, my friend. I actually watched the Goldfinger uh, drum cam video on YouTube <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> They're very professional music. It's very, very easy to go into a bit of a a hole with that stuff at the moon. Um, yeah, and and then our experiences of being in bands together, and then not being in bands together, then being in bands together again, and then we kind of haven't, we haven't really played any music together properly now, have we? For years, I mean, no, in, most mostly because we don't like. I left Brighton nearly eight years ago for the second time and you left brighton last february well february of this year yeah so there just hasn't been an opportunity for us to to do that no you're right but um it does go way far back doesn't it like we we, we played oh God, music yeah. together when we were like four you i think you were 14 when we did that first band dogmatics, dogmatics yeah yeah i played the bass yeah, man. Yeah, terrible. Good fun though. I st- I still got Did a tape you... of our first gig. I think somewhere. Was that the gig where there was a fight because someone said we were good and someone else said we weren't? And then legend has it. Legend has legend. it. And then they literally there was like a physical fist fight at this venue, and we were all there just like deer in the headlights, kids like don't fight. What are you doing? There? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be in a punk band so badly, and then there was like uh, those tables going over at the back of the room, and all kinds it was so good. I was oh. like, I'm terrified, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was mad. But anyway, I think <laughs> kind of looping it back round to the jump off. Which you so kind of eloquently presented at the start, Sean, and I'm glad, I'm glad in a way that that part of the conversation either survived or you wrote notes because I don't know, I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> but then also, this is stuff that I kind of either talk about or think about regularly anyway, so it's quite 
I don't know about you, mate, but it's quite normal for me to just like it's it's in my kind of subconscious kind of narrative all the time. So it's not what is like specific. What are you talking about specifically? Just like the concepts which which Sean was talking about then, and our different experiences, and kind of yeah. the experiences you've had, and and the experiences I've had as as your brother and being part of you know your transition and both of us just kind of growing up as well and kind of getting into different stuff outside of the punk scene because I really think that was probably like it was one of the like the adhesives of our relationship I think at least originally and it's not now and we don't need it to be now because I think we've kind of transcended long transcended that as we've grown older but it's just it's in it's just interesting to hear it back as like a particular point whereas for me it's just normal life as night is day you know it, it's not i don't what am i trying to say i don't know it's just interesting to bring it up as a discussion point and i'm quite interested to see where we go with it because to me it's just normal life and normal thoughts and normal narrative do you know what i mean does that make sense yeah absolutely i think um it came up because um I spoke to Sean a bit after we did the last podcast because I was anxious because I wasn't I wasn't in a very good way at all back in May like I just left Brighton and I was kind of exhausted emotionally after just quite a few years of like really bananas things happening and like um that sort of really steep curve of um transition and working and all that kind of stuff and then, um, as as you mentioned, like I'd, I'd just been diagnosed as um, uh, having an autistic spectrum condition, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I felt good about that back when, when we did the podcast, but my head was kind of spinning about it all. And then I've just got this kind of... Um, um, this, like, weird, I don't know, nostalgia is weird, isn't it? Like, it, it's it's really good talking about abandoned ship and um, it was a really formative time for me. But also I was, I was like mad back then <laughs> and just miserable and like terrified and um, so, so, so repressed that... Um, and I, I think I was anxious about talking to you guys about it because I I didn't want to just be like, you know, party pooper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and just be like, actually, no, I had a really shitty time. Are you guys still there? Are you actually, are you just listening? Yeah. To me? yeah, yeah oh, that's yeah, nice. So um, so I wasn't sure if uh, the thing had just cut off or not, but obviously it hasn't. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I was anxious because I didn't want to just be like, you know. Sorry to spoil it for you, but I felt horrendous back then because it's way more nuanced than that, isn't it? And, you know, as I think it's, as I've got further away from those times, I can definitely, I don't know, I, it's, it's much more, I've got much more of a bird's eye view about it. But I'm at a really weird point in my life now. Like I'm, you know, I think time, I think, um, I don't know if there's any, you know, if anyone's listening, you get what I'm saying. I think trans people experience time in a kind of different way. And especially like, you know, women of my sort of generation growing up in the 90s, like I don't mind saying I'm, you know, I'm 41 now. And I don't know, I sort of, I'm, 
I feel like I'm at this point now where um, I'm sort of excited about the world and excited about what I've got to give and what I want to do. And I sort of would have liked to have been able to be here when I was about 22. Do you know what I mean? But I, I was just sort of just trapped and mad. I keep saying mad. I mean, you, I don't really think you, angry. Yeah, and I think you didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding of the vocabulary vocabulary to to communicate what you're thinking and feeling god fuck no at all at all and i don't think any anyone did and you know the bit that's been interesting for me and the bit that i've kind of had to i suppose we'll say navigate with with the help of mave and with the help of you know of, of our parents and you know and friends and, and, and whoever is like when when I hear Maeve talk about how she felt at the time and what she was going through, I had no idea, really. Like, I, I you know, I like a lot of the the things she, she describes as thinking and feeling. Like, actually, retrospectively, I can assimilate them to maybe, if you don't mind me saying, Maeve, like maybe like a way. I can't even think of an example. It's just like. It makes sense to me that you were feeling like that at that time, just by a kind of who you were. Not that you were doing anything particularly like crazy or reckless or anything, but there was just like a sense of like, and this is all retrospective, Sean. Like, and I've obviously had years to think about this now. There was always like a like a sort of a, a gentle hum of like instability with your sense of self, Maeve, and and I never quite knew. If it a if it even was a thing, or I was just seeing something that wasn't there, or or if I was seeing something, I didn't really know what it was. But I almost feel like now I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that <laughs> makes sense because at the time, yeah. I I had no reason to think you were going through any of the things you were going through because, and it's not because you didn't tell me because you didn't want to or you didn't feel comfortable. I think and definitely. You know, tell me if I'm if I'm wrong here, but I think a you weren't a hundred percent sure what you were going through, one, and it was quite new and quite sort of ah, what the hell's going on to you? And two, you didn't know how to to verbalize it, which it completely makes sense as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very very complicated. Um, I was trying to think. I was on like, I was on standby for about thirty-eight years, like biding my time, just waiting, just thinking. I don't. I'm not sure what this. Like early on, I'm not sure what this is, but something feels weird one day it's going to make sense so you you know you hear about like you're familiar with the terms of like masking like people talk about that with like in relation to like um uh, people with autistic spectrum condition who maybe like pretend to be and i'm like using scare quotes like normal so as to socialize and like be be around people but then also obviously i was trans as well and like I'm queer as well, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, a, I'm not a straight trans lady. 
so there's all this oh god I, I, I thought about this loads today and yesterday about i was like right i'm gonna get some phrases in my mind so i can articulate this really well when it comes to it but i guess what i'm talking about is um this is kind of like as a boy you learn quite quickly you, you guys probably will understand this you learn quite quickly like what you're not supposed to be as a, as a boy and a man and as you know what doesn't cut it what's um and there's different levels there's like this you know this certain behavior doesn't cut it as boy behavior and then you can go even further and you can be like well you're getting into the realms of faggoty now and <laughs> if you start getting into the realms of faggoty then you start losing your, your footing in um in boy world and then you st it starts to slide and like that's hard enough for people who are you know who are faggoty <laughs> generally do you know what i mean like you know queer boys find it difficult but if you're actually a girl and you're around that as well then it's there's this kind of double-edged sort of sword where you you start to internalize um that your femininity is 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 such a is like a really twisted or this is how i experienced it i started to internalize that my femininity was this really twisted kind of um a broken masculinity that didn't work and that i was aware that other people could see it on me like you know what i mean like i've, I've been called faggot by um by people and you know gaylord variants of that like even it was the 80s gaylord was the one um for as far back as i can remember well, man like quite niche to birkenhead gaylord as well gaylord, i, well, I always felt like it is. was but i don't know no gaylord was definitely, definitely my primary one. school oh, okay, yeah, man. yeah it's yeah. an it, it's a it's a national level national level <laughs> it's a gaylord epidemic <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, I was, you know, I was getting homophobic abuse since I was in, in primary school and like not fully understanding what it was. And obviously like the little kids who were, you know, bullying me back then didn't understand what it was, but they knew that I was different and that that, you know, needed, um, you know, you need socially reprimanding, don't you? So you remember to not be like that. So I think I just internalized tons and tons and tons. And after, after a while, kind of get to this point where like there isn't a thread that you can pull on to to follow to the end to explain it because the whole thing is just this horrible jumbled horrible horrible mess and and that kind that kind that internalized shame manifests in um this terrible lack of self-esteem and this terrible lack of confidence which then it permeates into like this notion that I can't be myself anywhere or around, even around the people that love and know me the most, because I'm not entirely sure what that is. And my best guess at the moment is that um, I don't know. I thought I, I think a lot, a lot of um, a lot of trans women maybe grow up thinking that you know they might be cross dressers or whatever, and that's that was definitely the kind of route that I was doing and just being like, yeah, well, I know this is like you know, this is an underground sexual behavior at, the, at, at this point, you know, this is, um, this is the beginnings of depravity. Like I need to keep this to myself. This is a weakness. This is, um, you know, potential blackmail material or like reasons why people, someone might not love me. And, um, you know, if I get, if I get questioned on this, I'm, I'm going to fold cause I'm not going to understand why I'm doing this and what it's about. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, had I been able to time travel from now and just been like, all right, kid, you're a girl, don't worry about it. And then just disappeared. Even, you know, even like a little glimpse like that 
would it give me the vocabulary to to be able to say actually you know I'm I'm a girl and um I'm gonna grow up and I'll be a, I'll be a woman that's just um you know there's some shit that I've got to deal with first I didn't have any of that at all like and there was no I didn't see any any role models anywhere like you know in the 80s and 90s in the media like who were the who were the trans role models and it's it's you know stuff like the rocky horror show and that's you know that's not that's not trans role models that's again that's like sort of queer sex and i don't know maybe maybe fans of the rocky horror show have got different readings of that but i i don't i don't know i i, I never really felt very kind of i kind of clung to, to that because i was like this is kind of close to something but I, I i can't fucking stand that film so anyway um, am I making sense? Yeah, definitely. So when, wicked. Um, so when we get to this point where, like, we're talking about me coming out in the early two thousands, which is when abandoned ship sort of started, and I, I, uh, well, it started in two thousand and two, I think, and I came out as like a gay man in two thousand and four because it felt like some sort of step in the right direction that's where my head was at then and it was very much like I'll tr- I'll try this because again it, it like it felt like a way that I might be able to ex- ex- um what was the word can I say express my femininity like I you know I thought maybe you know maybe maybe I was like a queen or whatever and I kind of tried to embody that role but then I ended up just doing all this performative stuff and sort of behaving in a way again behaving in a way that I s- thought would make it make it easier for people to understand me but actually it was kind of harmful because it wasn't actually who I was and da 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 so when Matthew says like um it kind of is and isn't surprising to hear what I was going through like it's it's a weird one for me because um because the thing I struggle with is feeling like I haven't been able to be authentic and honest with people for most of my life so I don't know I that makes me feel really sad and I I I guess the thing that I've been thinking about a lot since I've been because I'm living with my with our, our parents now since I left Brighton I'm back in my old bedroom and like decorated it <laughs> but um I'm, I'm right back in that space again where I was when I was like 17 18 listening to placebo and like you know lighting cannabis joss sticks to make myself feel cosmopolitan wearing dresses when everyone went to bed trying to work out what to do next in my life and I'm back there now thinking like wow (laughs) it's like 20 years has happened and and here I am and all all I want is to be able to be really honest with the people around me as much as possible but it's yeah it's 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 a fuck it's a head fuck man you're on the difference is though you're on you're on your journey now. Back then, you weren't because you didn't know how to start it. But now you're well underway. So yeah, it's not the it's like not the same. No, it it's the same, not. It's probably same. really triggering. Um, and you know, I mean, every time I like, I love mum and dad's house, but every time I go there, I just get drowsy immediately. I know it's, it's a different thing completely. <laughs> it's a different it's pace a, of life, my friend. It's a different <laughs> like, as soon as I get in the back of dad's car, I'm just like 12 again, and we're going camping yeah. like on a six hour drive. And we can only be going five minutes down the road, and I just want to fall asleep immediately. Oh, yeah. that that's adorable, though. Yeah. 
Triggering's the word though. That's where I was when when we last did this. I think yeah. tr- like triggered to fuck and just like uh and just having this huge crisis. Like I've you know I spent my whole life. I mean I think we all do this. Just being like I've got to get to this point. I've got to do this. I've, if I can just achieve this, then I'm gonna be okay. And it just it felt a bit like fucking like snakes and ladders all of a sudden to have just you know like I I had like an like an eighteen year old nearly 18 year old career as like a you know support worker and a mental health worker and advocate in Brighton and that's I don't do that anymore and I, I don't think I can do that anymore I think I broke myself and now I'm like 40 I'd go and I like music I'm in my pet I'm in my bedroom at my parents house <laughs> I don't have <laughs> I don't I, you know and I, I fucked my master's degree up that I tried and I, I don't have any uh qualifications on paper just you know 18 years of, of looking out for people who are having a hard time and um, I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? So, um, so the, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> see you later. See you later. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel all triggered and, and sort of out of whack about it now. I, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can talk about it without, drinking nine cans of lager and then talking total shit ideally you normally manage that after one just bringing it back to earth um thanks pal one of the funniest things you've ever said to me is probably about a year after you started to transition was uh, this is going to be embarrassing no you just said to me that you're the only person you know that's been all of lgb and t and it just cracked me up God, yeah, they've added extra letters though now, so um, that's not as big a brag, but oh no, it did crack me up. It's interesting <laughs> to hear what you say though, and like you know, I'm in no means, any way, shape, or form, and you you know you know me better than this trying to compare my life experience to yours. How but dare I really, you. I know I am a absolute, I am a bastard. Um, I just really relate. I can like really relate to a lot of what you're saying just from my own experiences of growing up as well because you're you were talking about like being being a boy and the eyes you know, though. I know and I'm not disputing that at all. <laughs> oh god <sorry. laughs> I was just just trying to comp you on emotional pain. I know. Um <laughs> but like I sat in this kind of middle camp where it's like I know I know that like I'm a heterosexual sort of cis which is you know a phrase you hear a lot about now which I only heard for the first time yeah, about I loved it. I loved five it years ago. Yeah, it's and um, but when I was growing up, I I didn't identify as particularly masculine, like in the traditional sense of like, oh, I'm a ruddy bloke and I'm gonna buy like Nuts magazine and the, you know just all these like classic, <laughs> yeah, you know all these like classic archetypes of what like masculinity and and manhood is. And I think I've like, I've almost kind of aged slower than a lot of my peers. And I think it's because, because I played in hardcore bands and because I like skateboarded and rode BMX and stuff. And I did things which anchored me to my youth. And I still do, like I still skate now. And it it's it's interesting being kind of 38 and just being, thinking, God, I can remember my dad's 40th birthday, like I was 10. And I've, I haven't got kids now and I'm still trying to kind of get sorted. But And, and I I almost didn't know who, who I was and how to 
how to access my emotions and my emotional narrative and kind of self-reflect in any kind of deep level until about, I'm going to say about 10 years ago. So I was in my late 20s. I didn't start any kind of career till I was in my early 30s. So it's just this, I've also had my own experience of this, like a question of self identity so again absolutely apples for apples you had a way harder time than me not to shoot in that but i can just relate <laughs> i can relate to that kind of feeling of looking in the mirror and just being like who what's going on who yeah. am i and how do i explain it it's to a- myself not just to other people like who do i identify with i don't identify with like bros and, and jocks and lads but i don't identify with the queer scene either i'm much more in tune with the kind of queer and feminine side of my brain than i am with the masculine macho side of my brain but i'm also very just dead center kind of textbook heterosexual cis male as well if such a thing exists so that was a a beard i have got i have got a beard But also, I think, mate, what's interesting is, like, everything you've described to me, like, the hardcore scene is a very, like, progressive and open-minded and warm and accepting place on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's also incredibly testosterone-fueled and just a bit a bit narrow-minded as well, or that's been... Mate, we played with so many fucking bell-end bands. I know. Shitty music and shitty ideas and shitty fans. Just a bad bad message, like, just a bad message (laughs) some other time. So I just think for you to to be going through everything you've described, while that is the kind of soundtrack and the environment that you were in, and God, I didn't identify with a lot of that, it was either. mad, wasn't it? I would I would look around sometimes and just be like, "How are we even here?" <laughs> like, I, I like I like to mosh, like, but what is know. this? Just this whole rhetoric of like, you've you've changed, you've changed. You, you, said, you, you, you said you'd never change. Is that a real song, or did think, we just yeah, used to no, shout I've, at each other? I'm, in I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I just <laughs> I like stabbed in the back. I, I absolutely abjectly disagree with that that notion. Like change is good, change is positive. Like change is like gives your it gives changes you sound, life. Man. Changes. What is that record? Changes the sound. Is strike it strike anywhere? anywhere? Strike anywhere. Mate. <laughs> still, still get to spin. Still get to spin. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a very. It was just a weird. It was just a weird time to navigate. Anyway. I think, and I, I like, you know, I, I love some hardcore, and I love aspects of hardcore, and I loved playing shows, and I made a lot of friends, and my God, me too. Let me just say, like, yeah, oh yeah, we both did, but, but I always felt like a bit like I was like a few feet away, looking in on it, not actually absorbed in it. Like I could never quite identify with it. That's how and... I felt about every single thing in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's confusing though because it's hard work and it takes yeah. a lot of time and effort and it takes money and it takes like it's literally blood, sweat, and tears. And like, take plenty of money. The, the, <laughs> no one, no one knew George Harrison was going to feature just as a tidbit in this podcast. Um, mate, you cannot tell what way this is going to go, can't. 
but you know it, it's hard you know you work for fuck all money you live in sort of slightly shitty but affordable accommodation you have a job you don't like and your release is to go and play this music and it's amazing but then the amount of times you're driving home and then you unload the van and then you have to go and park it and then also it's five o'clock in the morning and you got paid 20 quid and like no one's doing it for the money and it that it never was about that and that's not i'm not disputing that it's purely for the love of it my point is it it takes so much of your emotional and mental and physical energy to sustain this stuff so to then also feel a bit like but i still feel a bit weird about where i fit in all of this it's quite a weird yeah, thing cause... to reconcile you know yeah because i guess like maybe like when you're a teenager you find that like a certain part of like looking for that authenticity of self as a teenager is like a release of like whatever the hardcore and like punk music you're listening to in those shows like that is a certain cathartic like an authentic thing as a teenager but obviously as you get older the majority of people unfortunately <laughs> maybe not all of them but the majority of people as they get older that's that's not enough to fill this whole identity of what what who i am as a person as a teenager it's formative yeah but like as a mid 20s you're like still you're like you're looking at the younger people who are finding that and that is amazing but you're it would be weird if 10 years later you're still feeling like that in the same way that the people that are 10 years younger than you when you're 10 years older is finding it and feeling like that i totally agree yeah man. and and but like um I've, i've i said last time we recorded but like when I like spoke to a like trans friend, uh, you know, just as I like one of my friends just talking, oh, like what are you doing with the podcast? Oh, this is what I, these are the people I'm talking to next, and they were like, oh, that's amazing, like seeing abandoned ship as like someone that was like on a journey of like understanding their like trans and queerness. Like was amazing because like that's the first time I think I saw like a hardcore band. Mm. Like, so I feel like that's from what, what they were saying, and they can't be the only person. Like, they feel like yeah. they're on the shoulders of like you, and obviously it's it is like shit when it's really shit that like you had to like have so many of those experiences just looking around, being like what the fuck is this room that I'm in? <laughs> and like, fortunately, not like, there's not a but, but like, fortunately and... for the people after you that come and saw your band, it was like, oh, cool. At least where I can look at the stage and like, when I look around at all these absolute donuts, <laughs> there is something that like, me is being reflected. Man, that's, that's so beautiful to hear that. I probably just got like, um, the hair, little hairs on my arms stood up, and I got a little lump. Then, if that's if if the, if that person felt like that, then um, I I love them, and I'm yeah. so happy that they that they got that experience because I I couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, I, I I completely agree, and I think really what what the takeaway what what hardcore and what being in a hardcore band represented to me was like literally do it yourself. Yeah, be yourself. 
You don't owe anyone anything and don't ever apologize for who you are and how you feel. And I think what I've taken, I've taken all of that with me into my life now and everything I do, not in like a brutalist way. Like I'm still very like polite and I'm still, you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm kind to people and I, I try and listen to people and, you know, everyone's everyone's got their own way of doing things everyone's got their voice but it's just it's like almost like an an attitude and i'm not saying like that's punk you let's be punk i mean like (laughs) just just try and try and live your life in like a positively constructive way that you that you determine yourself do you know what i mean so i'll take that like i'm still a very active musician i don't play hardcore anymore but i play with the same intensity with the same attitude and approach and set of principles and it's the same when i'm when i'm working like it's a set of principles and a set of like just things to anchor yourself to to make and i guess if it doesn't feel right you know that and you're like cool i'm probably not (laughs) going to carry on playing with these musicians because yeah it doesn't feel like i know it should exactly yeah exactly and i think as well and this comes back to the whole change point like the best thing that ever happened to me is that I started listening to other kinds of music and I started reading different kinds of books and I started going to different places when I went on holiday and trying different kinds of food and all of a sudden my mind just like it just expands and you just take you take the like, pure raw joy from how things make you feel not how they're labeled or how they're kind of packaged up or what they represent as a scene it's just like what makes me feel nice? What can I relate to? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be involved in that because that's cool. Yeah, that's punk, though, isn't it? Well, it is really. Because there's different. There's different. There's different. Like what's punks, isn't it? There's um, you know, there's like seventy-seven British punk, and that's all about like um, flinging yourself through plate glass windows and ODing on smack. And then there's like. California punk, which is like, you know, your jeans fall down and you make jokes about boobies and you go skating. I mean, I'm just this is just coming off the top of my head. You know what I'm saying? But, but like, this is an I, extract from different kinds of punk. This is an extract punk. from my uh, my my <laughs> webinar that's going to be up soon. TED talk, different, different, kind of different kinds of, a rambling, self-indulgent, opinionated, <laughs> and often wrong view into the world of the punk subculture. But um, because like you know earlier I was like you know moaning about um you know who these fucking people what is this we played with some terrible bands but the flip side of that is that um like going back to what Matthew said about it being this formative thing about um about values like what what I learned off the promoters that we met and um the bands that um that were more kind of. I guess I'll say politically active. I mean that as like the bands that were, were like thinking a bit more, where it was less about just showing up and uh, and screaming and being brutal for the sake of posturing or whatever, which there is a place for. Like I do think there's a place for that, and that is fine. But um, what am I trying to say? I met loads of people that I was really impressed by, and um, like living um the house I was living in in the early 2000s with like you know all these women who were doing these other bands like these kind of noise bands like uh, Leopard Leg and um Sunny Tufts and these kind of interesting kind of 
DIY bands, which were still kind of punk bands, but they were they were talking about feminism and they were talking about veganism and about you know and watching um fucking uh, Ma- you know that video Masalas de las Gritas. I think I've said that. I hope so. Butchered the Spanish Beyond the Screams, which was the um it's like a VHS documentary that um yeah, yeah. Martin from um uh, Crudos did about the um like the Hispanic bands in um. I think it was in LA. Chicago. Was it LA? Chicago, was Chicago, it? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. But yeah, that, um, just seeing that and just, you know, seeing how they, they went about things and um, DIY gigs, home, house shows, like being active and sort of looking out for each other and it, it being this kind of, um, maybe didn't always, doesn't always work, but like an attempt to make a community and a, a, like trying to make a space for people that really rubbed off on me and has forever sort of changed me and and is kind of ingrained in my you know the way I, how I how I want to think about spaces and 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 the people that are around me and how I want to relate to the, the to people do you know what a I mean lot, I sort of tailed that, off as I was speaking a lot of you know that just attributes to just being a decent person though regardless of what you're doing which is why i find it interesting and why you can just you can take those parallels into the rest of your life regardless of what they are oh that's what i was saying about uh these different kind uh different kinds of punk like to me punk is is about that it's about you know trying to be a decent person and trying to do constructive things with your time in your space and you know nice punks man yeah and like questioning things but at the right time for the right reasons in the right way like that's what punk is i think it's but that's a nuance that you have to learn isn't it yeah it's hard but it's saying well i don't agree with that let's try and do it in a different way or i'm gonna i'm gonna do it in a different way because i don't want to be a part of of that that's what punk is to me it's something to do with music anymore sell out (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I have. I have. I have. You have. You haven't. No. Psst. You haven't. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to sell. I'm getting really agitated. I'm sitting in this. I've got this really beautiful armchair, which is like the only bit of furniture that I owned for a long time, and I'm getting really agitated, like gesturing. I wish you. I wish we could all see one another and um, have a little bounce oh. around together, but. That's all right. What, literally bouncing the chair, or like, what do you mean? I'm just having a little bounce. I'm just getting excited. I just want you yeah, all to know that. It's getting a bit much, all this sort of virtual chit-chat, isn't it? Like, the nuances yeah. of human interaction are just... They're in the back <laughs> row at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Tell us some funny uh, show stories, I guess, at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Not specific to show. You're way but... better at remembering these, Matthew. So take the lead. I'll just chip in. Um, I... I was fucked the entire time. <laughs> I am. Um, couple of favourites. Uh, I rode BMX a lot and I don't really anymore. Partly just because I don't really like the kind of scene anymore. And also I get, just, I get quite bad RSI in my wrists and my elbows. And it's like ride BMX sometimes and always be in pain or don't ride BMX at all and be able to play the drums for the rest of your life. So I kind of went down that route. But... There's been a couple of times when we'd had to cancel gigs because I'd literally come off my bike at the skate park and Rob Camp would 
like post on like the fracture forum or whatever that the gate the abandoned shipper pulled out and he'd always put something like matt fell off a jet ski maids <laughs> fell off a horse and like literally everyone everyone just believes they because, went for it didn't they they went for it because why why wouldn't you in a way so that and then i've literally had people at gigs being like i didn't know you had a jet ski i'm like fucking, i haven't <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. I know. I had to sell it to pay for medical bills. Um, I don't know. Other, I don't know what else happens. Just, Rob Camp. It's just Rob Camp. It's Rob Camp. You, you, Rob can't, Camp. you can't talk about a bad ship without just going. Rob um, Camp. Rob Camp. Showing up to a gig dressed as his cat that died. That was yeah. You know, just but didn't tell anyone he was going to do it. Just showed up dressed as a white cat, head to toe. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Do you remember when we did that gig in Boston and he was shit faced and we pulled over that garage and he was running around all the petrol pumps trying to shoot petrol everywhere? <laughs> that was a good one, wasn't it? And then, yeah, where he's sick outside the van and we had to jet wash it off because it's dry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely gross. Just a million Rob Camp. There's just oh a God. million Rob Camp. Um, Trash Fest. Were you with us at Trash Fest when um, we were dancing on that Saturday night? And um, me, he, he was getting all agitated. He was looking around. I was like, "Oh, Rob's Rob's agitated." He's looking around the room. It's like he's got that frown on his face. He's either going to stop talking and leave, and we won't see him for two days, or something stupid's going to happen. He's like, "These people, <laughs> I don't want to do a Rob Camp voice on the, on the podcast." Slight, slight lisp. Slightly, just a hair, just a hair. It's just, just, just like this. He's ah, these people don't know how to party. And he's looking around, he's starting to get really angry. And I was thinking, God, what do we do now? And he's like, Yeah, hey, I've got an idea. Watch this. So fucking now. So he he takes all of his clothes off, apart from his underpants, and folds them very neatly at the side of the <laughs> stage. And it's like this is a disco in a community center in Holland somewhere. Trash fest, like crust punks wall to wall so you know what like you know what it's like and he just stands up and he's called he's like oi oi just like shouting over the pa and so everyone everyone's like fuck so the whole room's looking at him there's just this man with the moustache standing there in his pants with a beer in one hand and his arms they were um they were like undies as well they weren't boxer shorts they were undies Mm. and they were green i can remember it as if it was yesterday (laughs) and he got and then he just sort of like, didn't he just dive off the stage and just like he human? Co- he collected a crowd. He collected a crowd until he thought there was enough to support him, and then he jumped off. And, and then he carried jumped it. off stage because human condition is: if someone jumps on you at a gig, you carry you crowd surf them. Mm. So and he he just went through, and it worked. And it's like any drunk dickhead can take the clothes off and go look at me, but it was just the most twitching thing for me. <laughs> was just the calculated way. Just watching him going from like agitation to disappointment to anger and then watching this germ of an idea form and then very carefully folding his clothes and preparing it. <laughs> it's just, as if it was this, it's this kind of, somebody's got to do this. It's a great responsibility and an honour. Uh, if I don't get down to my underpants, who is going to? Who is going to? Nobody else is going to do it. So that was tremendous. He'd waited around for half an hour waiting for it to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to Holland and not taking my clothes off. Yeah. He said. Other, what else? Oh, that was a tour as well where the shitty limits were on tour as well. And we had all their gear in the van and they were in like a Vauxhall Astra, like Eddie's Vauxhall Astra. Uh, and that PBS was driving and they got a puncture in this village at like four in the morning. And they all got out and started like smoking and stuff. And Matt was like, 
guys, it's fucking four o'clock in the morning. You need to be quiet. And they were like, all right, sorry. And he's like, right, I'm going to fix the car. And then just fucking plugs this like electric um, pump into the, into the cigarette lighter. It's just like. <laughs> so good. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> just like en- just endless of that kind of stupid shit me going on tour with turn cold having a shaved head and there's still being four pairs of hair straighteners in the van even to this day no one knows why i think the, the carry on ryan george sworn in kind of thing was like really really hot around those times and you just just do the grow the bits in front of your ears really long and just yeah. have them really straight. But someone had two like pairs. Daggers. This is what I'm saying because there was only four of us in the band. So someone brought an someone had an auxiliary pair of hair straighteners. Wasn't it? Auxiliary hot irons. Yeah, that's my new band name. <laughs> I thought I had a story queued up then, but I've forgotten it. I'm, t- I'm terrible at anecdotes. Like I'll join in if you start one, but. Yeah, I can't, I, can't I can't tell whether it's funny or not. Funny or not, do you know what I mean? It's funny in context. They're always funny in context, but then when you say them back, everyone's like, "Oh, sound." All right, yeah, you got you got drunk. <laughs> like, like yeah, exactly. Like when Burning Times were playing in the Cowley Club once, and um, I made eye contact with Jay, um, and I was like, "Can you get me some water?" And he just mouth, "Get me some water." And he's like, "Yeah, water." Yeah, comes back with three pints of beer just for me. I'm like, how? Aww. Where? Where did that get lost in translation? Between can I have some water and can I yes here is three pints of log. I wouldn't drink three pints of beer now. I wouldn't sleep. I know. I'm too old for that. Do you think that's what Jesus did with the wine? Yeah, yes. I think so. I think he yeah. was at an anarchist social centre. Was, was yeah, he was at a, a, an anarchist bookshop, come music venue, and the drummer <laughs> said, G- "Jesus, I'm thirsty. Can have you, you got get, any fish? Can you get me some water?" Jesus and some fish. Uh, we've got and some, some bread and some French bread. <laughs> yeah, we've got some pui lentils in there. Oh, I'm not nearly constipated enough. I'll get it down <laughs> me. Yeah. Probably annoyed, though, because I guess you wanted the bread for the hummus. You can't really have fish and hummus, can you? Oh, God, sure, no. Well, well, with, with, with 2020 going the way it is, I think anything's possible at this rate. <laughs> Oh, Riders are just fish. Twenty twenty one. Do you know what abandoned ship was supposed to just be? F- I think it was supposed to be fun. I think that was kind of the whole point of it. Like I don't, I don't think it was supposed to be like. No, and it was well, like the angry or anything. It was just like we have to be in a band because um, we're not we're, we're not very good at not being in bands. Yeah, um, we like it, and I think the beauty of abandoned ship was that it was just like five ramshackle people who liked sort of all like hardcore but all like different kinds of hardcore and different kinds of punk and different kinds of rock so yeah. abandoned ship culminated like no one not to call out 10 yard fight or whatever because you know whatever they're don't fine come and kick it, your head to, don't say know, anything about 10 yard fight but it's not like all five of us were like hooked on gorilla biscuits or hooked on Crow Mags or hooked on like I I only heard most of these bands after I, I was don't like the Crow Mags have that fucking that's, stick that's fine and that's and that's, that's fine so <laughs> band as a whole was just like this accumulation of like different experiences different types of music different just different ways of thinking about things different I don't know and that and you get abandoned ship 
out of out of the like the back of it. It was, I don't know. It just, just kind of, I don't know. Don't really know what I'm trying to say. But literally, Rob, Rob was your uncle. Rob's your uncle. Do you know, Sean, that on our first gig, we got asked to play a gig like on the morning of the gig because a band pulled out and the promoter Buzz was like, well, what are you called? And they just goes, um, uh, Ship of Doom. And it just ended up being on the flyer as Ship, <laughs> ship of Doom because we, yeah, we hadn't picked shit. a name. To abandon ship for years after that as if we'd like, yeah, I liked you when you were Ship of Doom. Oh, it's like we we played one gig as as Ship of Doom and we played all the same song because you know we only ever wrote and recorded sixteen songs in like seven years, which yeah. is pathetic. It's pathetic. <laughs> it is pretty so hard. were you writing some time, Mabel? Was it like, well, I guess if we have to write another record, I just do it as and when. Sorry, what was the start of the question? Like when you got to Burning Times, were you like, how'd you write songs again? It's been quite a long time. I, w- I had a trick up my sleeve for that one, Sean. I um, tuned my guitar from uh, standard E down to D. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> so they're just abandoned chip songs, but. But, but one entire <laughs> yeah. tone lower. And sort of ex- somehow faster, which I didn't think was possible. I think Burning Times just wanted to be faster and. Um, Bit more crusty, bit more crusty, yeah. Because we were all like digging from Ashes Rise and like drop, uh, drop dead and tragedy and all of those kind of things. Yeah, and none, obviously, but, but none of us were crusty guys, really. And then E one fifty on all. Oh of my fucking god, E one fifty! All that hysteria comp. Stuff. Yeah, the hysteria comp bands, that really savage, mm. fast bands, and like Limprist as well, isn't it? Because it was like. Yeah. Um, Ben and Times was like an ex- explicitly queer band where um, with abandoned ship token was like, me, token me at the back, a token you, yeah, like abandoned ship was like, you know, that was I had my little flag out with you know I don't know you were the happened. token at that point I was the token like, no, homosexual yeah and I was like no because I met another homosexual the only you know the only boyfriends I've ever had I was like um he played the bass and he was into punk and um so the only boyfriend I've ever had <laughs> I've just got to make that abundantly clear. Um. Anyway, so I was laughing at myself there, not um, not anything else. Um, what am I talking about? Yeah, he. Uh, we we wanted to do something gay, like we wanted it to be like. And I think because we were both sort of irritated at best by like a lot of the, uh, sort of mosh, uh, macho moshness that was happening. I think we just, and it was, it was weird, weird really, because um, I think our response to that was just to like write really heavy songs and shout and take our tops off, which was just the same thing. But it's, it, it's, it was more about saying like, you know, we're here too, actually. And mm. on your terms. Yeah. When we take our tops off and shout, um, it's thought provoking and sexy. <laughs> and we're, t- you know, we're talking about the, we're writing songs about pride and, and, uh, and you're writing songs about, I don't know, other things. Not changing. Not changing. <laughs> <laughs> and getting stabbed in the back. <laughs> but um, I think, like, you can, when you listen to Abandoned Ship, you can tell the songs that I've written because they're the ones that most closely sound like um, Burning Times. Like, the, the faster, sort of scrappier ones are, are mm. mine and the ones that sound a bit more like they've been thought about by someone who's good at writing more, the songs. A bit more fun. <laughs> they, they, were Steve. they were Steve's ones. So there was, I think there was, I mean, I can't even remember now, but I think there was, um, 
maybe riffs that like I'd I'd come up with that we didn't use in in ship or um I was very stoned at that point. I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you. Do you remember that band practice we had? We used to practice in a studio called 284, which was built into the seawall in Brighton, just down towards the Concord 2, and it used to be a public toilet. And the guys who set it up, this guy Austin, they squatted it squatted it for years. And then the council came and were just like, all right, fine, do what you want. So they registered it as a business. Austin's amazing, always bladdered. He had a pair of glasses on once, which is (laughs) one pair of frames. And then two different shaped and sized lenses, sellotaped. <laughs> uh, and we were taking him a, a cab back that we borrowed. And he said to us, oh, you, two, of your, two of your lads were in last night. And we were like, I know, Austin, that was us collecting the cab that we're now bringing back to you. And he was like, oh, right. Anyway. Those we glasses were... were so good, man, because he had the sellotape across the middle. It looked like each one was middle, half full yeah. of water. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that scene in Hot Shots where he lands on the carrier and the guys are crying and there's a fish inside his glasses. Hot Shots. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we we were writing a song and it was a build up and I think it was um, I think mountain it was high, no, it was high drama. I think no, it was mountain climb. Was it mountain climb? And there's like a build up bit in it. Going to dig in. Okay. Anyway, so we were writing the song, and I never really got involved in the songwriting process per se. I'd write my own drum parts, and if someone would say, "Oh, can you do that?" I'd do that because you know whatever serves the song. Um, And we're doing a build up, and it's not quite working. And we've got one section of the song here ready, and then Steve's got another like bang a bit of a section ready to go. And it's like, how do you stick the two together, right? And we're doing a build-up, and Rob, Rob, Rob stops. He's like, right, stop, stop, stop. All right, everyone stop. And he, he goes, Matt, like, there just needs to be, like, a fill or, like, a bit between this section and this section, and it just needs to be, like, and then I swear down, he just goes, it just needs to be, like, that big, and he just gestured about a foot <laughs> of his, with, between his hands. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, I'm not exactly, like, conservatory-level musician here but i also know enough to know that i can't write you a drum part that is a foot in length that's two beats isn't it but <laughs> at that speed if you're traveling at that you have to think about how fast you're traveling don't you if you if a hardcore yeah. band is traveling at 170 bpm and it needs to cover a distance of 18 inches only 170 i don't know how much, pussy how, pussy how fast do you reckon it was like two 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 ten I just picked a number because um, I, I didn't want to stop my flow. So hardcore bands travelling at 210 BPM and they need to cross a, a gap of 18 inches. 12 to 18, You, you yeah. do the math. That's two beats. Retrospectively, like half I, think a bar. Probably, I think you're probably right. Um, and we did figure it out. And everyone lived happily ever after. But it was... Oh, I, just, I just really loved it. I just thought, I wish it was that simple. I wish this bit of song did only need to be 12 to 18 inches long. <laughs> what was your idea, I guess, your thought process with Burning Times and starting that band? From my perspective, because I didn't, I didn't start Burning Times, and I think I was in, I know I wasn't like um, queer, but I also was one of the only thrash kind of punk drummers in Brighton as well. So that probably had something to do with it that I made. Nah. Fill, fill in the blanks. But um, for me, it was like, Abandoned Ship's cool, but I wanted to do something a bit more raucous and a bit more kind of fucking crazy and fast and heavy. 
So I was listening to a lot of yeah, like Drop Dead, E150, Witch Hunt, Witch like Hunt. All, the, all that kind of stuff. And um, what that that like um, <laughs> <laughs> but how different would the world be if they were called What Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably no different. No probably different. No different. She's just the fucking same. Carry on chatting. Uh, it's like, um, <laughs> oh, what? Have, you heard, have you have you heard any Robert Dylan album? What? It just doesn't work, does it? Um, <laughs> so Philip Collins. It just, it just doesn't work. Anyway, yeah. Um, and I just like I I just identified more with that kind of music. I just enjoyed it more, and I think. I was starting because we kind of touched on this last time, but as a drummer, I'd never practiced ever. I would only, <laughs> I would only practice, and that's not like a gloating thing. That's a ba- like kind of like a bad thing. Like I didn't, not because you didn't I know how to practice. I didn't know how. I didn't know. Why. I didn't know about practice. I didn't know about studying drums. I didn't know about learning. I didn't really know what what you get out of having a drum teacher, especially if you were in a hardcore band. So I didn't. I only ever played drums when I was in a band practice. Like I wouldn't even hold a pair of sticks. Like it just didn't occur to me. It wasn't like a conscious decision or like a rebellious thing or like, you know, fuck the kind of standards of music, and yeah, you know, screw you, whatever. It was just like I just didn't <laughs> screw, you. screw you. Yeah, I just oh, didn't oh, know. Screw you. Hey, Joe, come on. Hey, sod off. Would you? Sod <laughs> off. Um, I just didn't know about that stuff. So listening to this like way more hectic music really appealed to me because even though fundamentally it was the same, it was just more gnarly and more crazy. And I wanted to play like that, I suppose. And Burning Times gave me an outlet to do that kind of stuff, which was slightly different to Burning Time. To abandon shift, sorry. And we also we would play different kinds of gigs to different kinds of people. Mm. And that yeah, was a bit with, sort of with yeah with different bands and with more thrash bands and crust bands and and queer bands and and I just didn't I preferred that 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 vibe and that scene a lot more. Yeah, it was a lot less um, a lot less courage to care and a bit more um, not washing for six months. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, it's like courage to care because Katie's wicked, and last time I saw her was with you, Maeve. And we do was, I mean uh, courage to care, or do, am I thinking of um? You you probably do. That was a straight edge label, but we met we met we bumped into Katie at Hot Snakes gig in London about four years ago, and we all um... had a fucking really nice time. Yeah, she's wicked. She's really yeah. Nice. I don't want to piss on anyone's creative things. I was just being flippant about um. Kind of, you know, the sort of straight. It's just that it's a motif you know I mean? of, it, of that yeah. that era and that scene, isn't it? Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I, I don't know, how, I mean, you can explain how Burning Times came about. I don't know. I think, I mean, you just said to me, "Do you want to do this?" And I said, "Yeah." And like because as well because we've grown up playing music together, and uh, until that point, the it would never have been up for debate. Like who's who's in the band it's just like it's just me and you doing it was, yeah, it was obviously just gonna be like, you yeah it was never it's never really <laughs> famous um das Kinsey four as well which would be cool to talk about yeah because i i can't i was the what the third drummer for das Kinsey four second or third yeah as well so let's we'll get to that we'll get to that hold your horses you said if you'd like only play drums at practice yeah 
had like, I mean, maybe you'd played music people, many other bands, but like, you know, a large per- like, oh, like a majority percentage of the times that you'd play drums, yeah, had been like, to Maeve's guitars, like. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah. This is what I mean. Like, we learned to play together in the same room. Like, I learned to play drums by putting s- some sort of pattern to <laughs> so what you cool, uh, Having amazing. listened, having listened, like my drum education was the first. The the song that I heard that made me think I want to play the drums was <laughs> Lin- was Linoleum by No Effects. <laughs> Honestly, I heard it and I was like, literally, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. And I always loved. I always drums. play that song at the drop of a hat in any given situation. In, uh, yeah, and I, I'd always like air drum along to like Pearl Jam and 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 like ranted and stuff. But when I first heard Linoleum, I was just like, what the fuck? I I have to learn how to do that. It's and so fast. And that's. I remember actually, when you did even, it. You were like calling even. me. You were like, "Come, come! I can do double time." Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was so good. But because I, because I didn't know about like music and musical structure and playing, like I was playing linoleum at least twice as fast as it actually is on the record. But I I wasn't kind of. I didn't have that you just kind of awareness. Yeah, you just been like yeah. faster, faster. Yeah, no, I faster. didn't have. I didn't have the awareness to know that I was playing it twice as fast. I just thought I was playing it at the right speed. Maybe you're just not a poser and no effects are. I think that's yeah. probably what it is. That's, that probably that's is. Because at, at that point, yeah. there was two different speeds of punk, wasn't there? There was no effects and rancid. Yeah, that was literally it. <laughs> really, fast was... really fast or like rock and roll kind of speed. <laughs> that was the two speeds. But like... Yeah, and I, I, mean, I didn't start practicing, practicing quote unquote the drums, till after I like wasn't in a hardcore band anymore. I just by pure coincidence, like I just started to like read around it and learn a little bit more. And I'm gonna say with the evolution of the internet, which sounds like I fucking was born in the twenties or something, but like <laughs> all all the stuff you see now on Instagram that is so prim and proper and perfect, and all the YouTube videos and all of that, like fucking none of that existed when we were growing up, learning to play music. All we had was our ears and our hands to try and copy, and some rocks that we'd brought in from the um, from down by the river that we would use as our instruments. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they were your um, members for a second. Yeah, I was, but... where, I was wondering where that was going. I was wondering but where I, it was going know. and I was saying it. But it's interesting, really, because like I've known that I've wanted to play drums from a very, very early age. Like, Yeah, like, you used to tap on everything you did. Everything, like sort of five, six, seven years old, I, I could hear the drum pattern and I could work it out, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And when I... First, I wasn't allowed a drum kit at first, which is definitely fair enough from a parent's perspective. Nobody should be allowed a drum kit at first. <laughs> no, no one should. But I you borrowed, need to get up around fourth or fifth. I, yeah, exactly. And I, I borrowed a couple of drums from our high school and then I built the rest of the drum kit myself. So like my floor tom was like, you know, the kind of like plastic stacker boxes that you'd keep Lego in in the, in the yeah. 90s. It was like two of them. <laughs> And I had a cymbal which was tied to a microphone stand by a washing cable. My and microphone that, stand. Yeah, yeah. So it was that like I was supposed to Maeve, be using. It's like is Maeve gonna sing or is Mac gonna hit a crash cymbal today? Matt's gonna hit a cymbal today, so Maeve can't sing. Wow. And then my snare was on, was <laughs> on a cardboard box, not a snare stand, a cardboard box. 
And I remember my mum walked in and she saw this kind of like Frankenstein's fucking gobshite drum kit that I'd built <laughs> and was just like, right, you mean it, don't you? And I was like 12 then, 13. Were you that, yeah, but that young? your mum felt when you got an actual snare in the house, probably like, oh, for fuck's sake, what was yeah. I thinking? What was oh, I thinking? Man. We I... were lucky, man. Like, we, um, yeah. This is a really old house. This is like an old Victorian house and the walls are not as thick actually as I as I thought they were, but we didn't have neighbours. Um it's it's a what's it? it's semi detached, so there's two houses and there was no neighbours on the adjoining building for um oh, most yeah. of our late teens, wasn't there? There was I don't Yeah, it was empty the house was empty or whatever. They left. The yeah. house was empty and then there was um obviously there was a gap across the way and then um Mary didn't care. She she was um I don't, she think just, she, I don't think she could hear. Yeah, they couldn't hear her, so she didn't care. But she was just oh, right. the lady who was very gentle and kind of quiet. And maybe she just hated us and just didn't have. I don't maybe think that, so. Though. Maybe that's what killed her. God, do you think? It's possible. We'll never well, know. Good riddance. <laughs> um, that's, I just have to keep one up in, don't I? Yeah. So we were really lucky. We're like we we could set up in the house and play music and. We've got um, parents who are, who both really like music, and um, yeah. my dad especially loved rock music. We grew up, grew up on it. Free, yeah. Deep Purple, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, all your faves, all the good shit. So they were very like neither what of hunt play music. What that was hunt? a call. That was a callback. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely love what hunt. Thank you. They um. <laughs> <laughs> They they never played instruments, but they just loved music. And I think our parents were, they I never think, played um, instruments. They just loved that we had a homemade drum kit in the house. Yeah. <laughs> but they that. were very they were very good at like letting us kind of find our own way with this stuff and just being supportive in that way, which was yeah. really cool. And there was yeah. no pressure. There was none of this like I wish I'd played the drums when I was younger, so I'm going to get my, my kids to do it. It wasn't like that at all. Or that and, kind of and... stupid thing where you get these kind of overindulgent parents who are like, well, in that case, you're going to have the best every single thing. Like, yeah, you know and what you're I mean? going to lessons and you're going to study. No, it was like, okay, let's get you a drum kit. And yeah. off you go. So the first drum kit I got was this like bl- like black Premier thing. It was 130 quid from this guy and when we oh, when me and, when me, yeah yeah when me and dad arrived to pick it up this guy was at the door he was dressed head to toe as like a tennis player like white shorts white t-shirt white socks white trainers and then he had like a this long is just some dude white, down in like yeah. central Birkenhead you know what I mean yeah. like, there's no tennis being played down yeah, there yeah he wasn't playing tennis and he had you know when you do a ponytail but it starts at the top of your head and then like kind of like it starts at the top of your head and then goes down the back that's Almost a high pony. Like a Jean-Claude Van Damme, Kenny G. That's a high pony. Like an elf. Like an elf, but it didn't stick up. It was like flat against the rest of his hair, but there was just a little hairband there. Basically pointless. <laughs> because attention to detail. I know. I just remember it so vividly. So I got this drum kit and I played on that and I basically, I literally played it to, to death till it broke. And then I'd been like saving like birthday and Christmas money and whatever. And I had this like mad job where I just worked in the post office sweet shop on a Thursday afternoon. Oh my so, God, I so did that. Terry... That old woman used to come in every week and go, Terry said I could have that doll in the window. And you'd be like, yeah. no, he didn't. No, he didn't. And that's really creepy because so could you leave. So <laughs> and then Terry... she's down there for two hours just looking at you repeating herself. 
I know. Man, we earned that 15 quid and that. <laughs> so Terry would go and play yeah. golf. So I'd save, no, it was 13 50 I got. Was it 13 like, yeah. So I'd saved all this. So I bought my own drum kit, like a complete <laughs> out everything. And even then, it took me, and what, how old was I then? Probably 17. Um, and yeah, we just used to practice in our in my bedroom in our house. But like, yeah, like coming back to it. So I was, I think, 28, 29, maybe older when I realized that you could actually like study this and learn technique and learn to read a bit of music and learn patterns. And and like I, I play, I go through periods, like long periods where I don't play and I don't feel motivated or I just play a little bit. But at the moment I'm in like, I practice every day. I have sticks in my hand every day and I do something, even if it's five minutes. And I love it. Like I want to learn and it almost to the point where it actually becomes weirdly overwhelming and it it can it can really knock you out sometimes because then you've I, I've kind of put standards on myself that I never used to think about or even be aware of and now I hold myself accountable to this thing that I'm trying to do which is a positive thing as well because it helps you to progress and it helps you to learn and it helps to kind of shape who you are as a musician but on the other hand it like you're basically beating yourself up constantly and i think if you really get into like the psychology of any musician or any creative that that's there and that's a really hard emotion to manage actually and i struggle with it a lot but recently i've just i've just been thinking well i'm not trying to get anywhere am i you're never finished it's not like mario like you don't beat the end of level drums baddie and then you've completed it like <laughs> you're never ever done so make peace with the journey that you're on not with the end result and that just makes everything suddenly just like make like that gives me a sense of peace that's now, really nice man i really struggle with that you, you've got to try like yeah there's not like a like a trick tip or like a thing you can do I think you just need to like take yourself away from what you're doing for a second and evaluate the parts of it, which like what what are all the parts of what you're doing and what are you trying to get to and what are you trying to get out of it? And you're not, you're never going to get to a place. You I, Like that's not to say I don't think you should have goals. I think you should. And it might be like in a month's time, I want to be able to play this exercise at this speed or in a month's time, I want to be able to play this song. I really like note perfect. Yeah. Because it's good to have a target, but as a co- overall concept, you're never you're never finished, and that is only what you get out of it is only up to you. That's part one. Part two is everything you watch online, everything you see, was the most recent, most perfect version of it. You haven't yeah. you haven't seen the struggle, and the struggle is real. <laughs> like, don't forget the struggle. Joking. Don't forget the don't, streets. Don't, 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 and don't forget your roots. H2O. I listened to that the other day. It's really good. It's like you haven't seen all the hell that these people have gone through to get that. Definitely. Yeah. I, and I, yeah. I'm more interested in that part of the journey than the outcome. Actually. So. Um. Maeve, when you started Deskinzy 4, yeah. did you have to like, or not have to, did you push yourself to relearn guitar in like a different way? Because that is like oh. very different and like without, 
like very different from burning times and abandoned ship mm. and it's without like it's not like got distortion like with burning times it's like yeah, yeah nowhere yeah. to hide yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah and it it was a really conscious decision let me just think matthew i really enjoyed listening to you talk about the drums just then that was oh, great thanks very much yeah no probs um <laughs> I went, by the time I got into Das Kinsey 4, I'd already been in this other band called Agatha and the Christies, which was a really short-lived project. We played, I think, about six gigs. We played with them, the OCs. That was the highlight of of it of the of our career for me, which is really I, nice. I did one of your practices. Like every literally every did band you? project you've ever been in, I've like gagged in somehow at You've popped once. along, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, even like with when Carell's when Jimmy had sunstroke, so I had to fill in just on a band <laughs> oh practice for you God. two because he just got hammered on the beach when he had band practice that night. Did anyway, you never play with the Carell's live? I never played live, no. That's a crime. I, 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 it's a crime, I really... Amy from you know, Human Leather played bass for us once. That was that, really good. It. Sean, have you heard the Carell's? Maybe it's like rock and roll kind of oh, stooges. Sound no. So, so good. It is so fucking good. Like it's I, it's... Hey, are the songs like no, um... no. I can send you some MP. They're not actually like... online. I think they should be. No, they. You didn't go. You don't, guys didn't record much, but it was. No, we did six songs, I think, or five songs. The hanger sessions. I I can't. I just I can't explain how good. I think it's in a quiet taste. I think some people listen to it and they go, "This is just pub rock shit." Who do they think they are? And then pub other rock. people sort of yeah, but it's there. like it's pub rock played by the Stooges and like the raconteurs and just like quite badass kind of can you try and get those songs online before the uh, as when and when this before the rapture, comes out? Uh, and the rapture. I, I could try when do, when's the podcast coming out i mean it's already oh, no, out no, now, isn't it let's edit it. this bit out <laughs> another six months yeah i'll see what yeah. i can do man like with that would... it's it's like um it was like the apex of my falling apart just before I, I cracked and decided to transition. It was, so it was, it it's was another song, musical song, project I've been involved in where looking back, I'm like, oh God, can I share that with the world? Does it undermine who I am now? But listening not. to you speak, <gasps> listening to you guys speak about it probably doesn't. And maybe I should just be like, yeah, whatever. Like you can't just um, it's, uh, erase look, or ignore everything no, you've done at this point. It's, just continue it's, it's, now. It's, it's episodic of a period in your life and you know and i was going to make this point in the first five minutes of this conversation you were talking about how dark things were and how unhappy you were yeah the whole time and my my first thought was even so you you were involved with and directly responsible for some of the like best shit i've ever been involved in as a musician and you did and you did some amazing things with, in the face of feeling like that. Do you know what they what made? Came out the other side was it was great. It was special. It's it's music though, isn't it? It's it's music. It's the the it's only the thing one. in in my life which is. I, I, I don't want to say like the only thing that's been a constant, but no, that's the wrong way of wording it. Music yeah. is just. It's music, man. <laughs> it's, it's the it's only fucking, thing. It's fucking it's, music. It's, it's the only thing. Like I don't understand music, and I don't want to. Like I'd I never have to do I, music all the I time. Just, I just have to do it all the time, and I don't yeah. want to know why. I don't care. 
like never explain to me why it makes me feel the way it feels. I don't want to know. I just want to experience it. And it's a testament to that feeling, I guess, that you've been through these situations, but you've never let like those situations take away like making that music like constantly. Yeah. Well, it's it's fueled so the music. Pin- like yeah. Sorry, what were you, what was you saying? I just talked over you. No, no, that's right. I was just gonna say. Unfortunately, there's like so many people that like. Uh, not let but like so many people that like have like circumstance and like that means that they don't do anything yeah like especially anything that like other people see and can interact with yeah 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 and it's just amazing you know it's amazing that we like get to experience like anything from like that you'd you'd make but like it's just amazing that you'd like that that's never you've never let yourself let that be taken away yeah man do you know what it's it's like um i'm a person that has to have to put things in place for myself because if i don't then i don't do anything like believe me there's been years that i've spent lying on my bed like looking at the ceiling i you know like as a kid and sober and fucked up like stoned or drunk or like you know, like just it, w- whatever's been going on, there's I I'll be I'll get exhausted and I'll go and I'll have to just lie on my bed and look at the ceiling. And I think I I have this real kind of I don't know what it is like I don't know just something's always driven me like I all I want is is to just be in in music. You know what I mean? Like not and that's kind of how I think about it. Not doing it or or making it or being part of it. I just mean. In it. in it yeah and, it, and, <laughs> and, and to what i was saying about playing drums like that's the wider picture there's no end like, yeah you're never done it's just it is it's just the fabric of who you are as a person but then i guess you are done when you feel that like um, that of ecstasy but oh yeah two seconds later you know you feel it and it's like amazing like, what's the next thing and then you're like back on it and yeah. then you yeah. feel and i guess like you said matt is like trying to like understand yourself in when it's like I'm not gonna let this you know like I always try and remind myself I do music because I love it and I enjoy it so like you know before a show if I'm nervous yeah I'm like why be nervous when I can turn this like Mm. you know or no not I'm like I'm nervous do I take this nervousness and like call it anxiety where a lot of sometimes nerves and anxiety are the same thing. Mm. Or do I like take nerves and be like, no, it's excitable. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Like, it's adrenaline. It's, it's adrenaline. Like, it's adrenaline. Like it, yeah. it's your fuel. Like if you weren't nervous, then you should be nervous because that's that's an emotional. That's the emotion that comes with it. I tell you what, like from my perspective, there's um like a fuck ton of the world doesn't make very much sense to me and like lo- loads of it that does make sense I sort of like understand but I feel like I'm like I don't I understand it like you might um understand something you read in a book do you know what I mean so being especially like the corrals for me like um like I said earlier like I think, I think some people might listen to it and be like this is just pub rock shit and maybe when 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 we perform and they they might be like who does he think he is fucking little dickhead you know um I, I, and, don't, and that, I don't know where you're getting this pub rock reference from like 
<laughs> it is like blazing garage rock and roll. I literally don't, I don't identify with that description on any level. That's good to hear. I, I think I just find it difficult sometimes to um uh to understand how other people see something that I've done. Like I think it's rad. But um, thanks for for interjecting there. I was what I what I was saying was that um like one of the things that make, makes me I don't know oh, wait a second one of the things I struggled with was like in my head I I was like you know I was singing with this band and like really what I wanted to be able to be was like a version of who I am now you know what I mean like this um this kind of strong rock and roll woman but I wasn't back then so I might have looked like I was just the kind of scrawny drunk dude like you know sort of weirdly queer and da 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 I don't know how I come across but the point the point I'm trying to make is that um for me like playing the guitar and playing music it's always made a ton of sense like that's what I was going to say um I I really I I really struggle to sing like I find it really I'm not a natural singer I don't think I have a very nice voice blah 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 but the thing with the chorales was like I wanted to be the singer because I wanted to put myself in a position where I had to sing and I had to like uh, emote without the guitar and just get these feelings across and it was like I don't know when you when you stood on a stage with like a PA behind you and a band like if you don't just go for it then you're kind of failing aren't you and like you know in, in like in most social situations there's all these rules and blah 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 it just makes t- total sense that while you're on stage you show off and you shout or, or whatever it is that you do like for me that's what it was like I show off and I shout like I get people excited and um, I shout about emotions and I like shake my ass or whatever and that's 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 what you have to do and if you don't do that then you're not doing it very well and that makes loads of sense and then that ties in very um closely with this kind of uh this kind of euphoria that that I can trigger in myself by by being in loud music you know like all of us can you can you can bring your mood up and raise your kind of vibrations and whatnot and like excite yourself by making these sounds so fucking now what was my point <laughs> but I think that's what, what I'm trying to say is like um oh I remember yeah Sean you were saying um or both of you were saying that um trying trying to remind me that I'd been involved with these bands that had been like quite amazing and important and I was just and oh yeah and and how um how how despite going through what I described earlier I'd always managed to do music my point is I always just wanted to be in that that place like there's like there's like a freedom there I, oh fucking hell does that sound really like does that make sense yeah, yeah for sure definitely. I, I, I got so passionate about do you ever get this i got so passionate about it that i kind of reached this apex and then like the bubble burst and then i was suddenly i was like hey what are you talking about <laughs> why are you, are you why are you so passionate about this well i guess that sums it up totally in the best like proper natural way doesn't it really yeah, it's I a feeling that when people try and put words to, mm. it's like it it goes kind of makes sense, but kind of don't. Yeah. But um, yeah. to go back to what you asked me, I'm having a really good time, man. We could we could chat for hours. It's <laughs> just nice. It's think just of like, the listeners. Think of the listeners. Think mate. of the poor think listeners. The I guess I just don't talk about this stuff a lot these days. Like, I, and uh, there's loads of like. 
Yeah, I don't so, know, there's loads of stuff that I want to talk about that I'm just like, I don't even know how to bring that up. So it, it, it kind of takes someone like Sean saying, um, you know, I'm interested and I think other people might be interested in what you're saying. Let's talk about this. It takes that situation to, to bring it. So so thanks, guys. Especially, uh, at the mo- especially at the moment and, you know... In these times, these testing in the, times. In, the, in these extraordinary... These uh, trying times. Unprecedented times. These unprecedented, extraordinary trying times. But the old... Um, the old nineteen's done a number on on a lot on a on a whole culture, a whole subculture, hasn't it? Like fucking hell, yeah. Like I'm not a professional musician. I'm I I'm lucky in a way that I I don't rely on professional on music to pay my way, and I'm really I just deeply so feel for everyone in the creative industry that does because it's just been kind of hang out hung out to dry a little bit, and even like my mm. girlfriend's freelance, but because she's only been freelance for. 18 months two years she's in this kind of black hole uh where she doesn't get any help at all and it's like wow. cool thanks yeah. but but not not only in terms of like paying your way and it being your career but just in terms of being an outlet like every musician's had gigs cancelled and everyone who likes to go and enjoy live music hasn't been able to and like i i i rent i'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to rent a studio space um, it's about 15 minutes from where I live and I go there at least once a week sometimes two or three times a week to play and I practice and I, I play along to songs and I do exercises and I take drum lessons every now and again like my drum teachers has a studio in the same building so it's really easy but I haven't played with humans for humans for a really long time and I'm really really struggling with that yeah, at the moment same. like the only reason I play the drums is to make music that makes people feel good and to make me feel good and to make people have a good time. Like that's, that's it. And like, on the one hand, it's like deeply profound and it's in my core and it's in my DNA, but that's, that's my journey and that's my responsibility. And I'll take that with me for the rest of my life. But on the other hand, I just do it because it's, it's good and it makes me and it makes other people feel nice. And that's the bit which is missing and I'm having a really hard time with that at the moment. And yeah. I, I, I don't, I can go to my studio and I can play drums on my own for three or four hours, but I don't have an outlet for that feeling and that emotion right now. And that's really weird. We're all just holding it in, aren't we, man? Like everybody's just yeah. got stuff that we, we all, do. We, like... we all are. And the, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, lucky I've, I've got somewhere to live and I'm, I'm i've got work like i even got a job during lockdown so and i'm incredibly grateful i really am but i spend like i work feet away from where i cook from where i relax from where i sleep like there's no separation at all yeah. and I, I and it is hard <laughs> it's claustrophobic like, isn't it the whole situation it is, and it feels just... like we're just waiting. And yeah. I've got it really good, and I really, I feel, I really feel for everyone who's been, like, who's lost their job or who's in in a situation where they, being at home all day every day, is is, is a horrible experience because maybe because of who they live with or, or whatever. Like, you know, but I think everyone's. Stories, their own story as well. 
you know and we're all just trying to like navigate this this thing and it's just I just feel I don't know about you guys but I feel like speaking to my friends and even my colleagues I think in the last month things have just shifted and I think everyone's everyone's just done all the listeners there that was Paul Devine that was our dad and it seems that food is ready just a second I'll be back yeah so it's just like I don't know I think things are just at a bit of a low point at the moment for a lot of people. I don't know what your reflection is on that, Sean, and the people you talk to and spend your time with, but... Yeah, I think it's the... Especially, like, I think it's the understanding of, like, second lockdown, or for me, anyway, I'm like, Mm. the conclusion I'm like, is second lockdown. It doesn't feel like the first lockdown because people are... You can do what you want if it's not spending time with the people you want to spend time with that you don't live with. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be. But everything's shut, so you're like, right, I'm gonna go out and do nothing. Yeah, it's like walks, and yeah, I think that's that's the hardest part is that like, you know, it seems like everything, you know, like people are walking. You know, on the first day of lockdown, I walked the dog, and I was like, wow, it's it's like 28 days later, wasn't it? The first time round. Oh, the first years. lockdown was yeah deserted. Like, yeah, I drive around central London on my bike, and it was it was wicked actually, just being able to see the city in that yeah. different light. And then this new like November lockdown, I was like, oh, it's pretty much what it was like, <sighs> kind of like yesterday. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I've only like I've seen Maeve twice this year, three times maybe. Once to once, Dora, bless her, R.I.P. Our nan's lovely nan's funeral, January. Once in February to help you load the van when you left Brighton, and then I managed to get home for a bit in July when I started my new job. And and that's it. And I don't know if I can see you at Christmas. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I think Christmas is uh, see what's happened in the week before the job, isn't it? I know, it is. But we've just become, like, this is just life for now. It is what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the start. It is, it is what it is. It certainly ain't what it ain't. It ain't what it ain't. Um, I think that that is like, I, I would love to do another one of these. I think it's place to wrap this up and then like it would be like amazing to do one where we like more we look at like maybe like the experiences like within the bands and things like that yeah wow, I, I'd, I would fucking love to talk more about the, these bands and music and stuff I do you know what I agree I really I'm feel happy. nice that you've given us I know I said it earlier but yeah. thank you for yeah, thank you for the opportunity for this, Sean. Like, I didn't, I don't think I realised how much I wanted to chat about it. Well, there we go, Maeve and Matt Devine. This song is called "To Every Sailor a Sea." It's by their old band, Abandoned Ship. Look after yourself. Take care, and catch you soon. Let's go!
Shout out that! 